everyone, welcome to Heart's Happiness Podcast. The place where I, Manpreet, share my journey of healing intergenerational family trauma to help you to understand your story. I share a bunch of tools and tips that will transform your mental health and allow you to find your own heart's happiness. So exciting, right? Each episode will cover one of three areas. One, raising awareness of what this trauma actually is and how it hides in our lives. Two, tools, tips, support, lots of different things that I've used to get better and heal from this trauma. And three, I'll be connecting you with so many specialists and therapists and coaches as guests on my show. So we are going to transform your mental health and empower you to take your healing by the hands and move forward. Welcome back to the podcast. We are speaking with Neve today about the connection between the gut and our minds, mental health and loneliness. So I'm going to introduce her in a moment. But before we start this whole month on the podcast, we're exploring the theme of loneliness for Mental Health Awareness Month. And I know that when I was deep in my healing journey, and even now I struggle with it at times, struggling with the feeling of loneliness, feeling that you're the only one that feels the way that you do or that there's nobody that's struggling like you or that you're in this journey alone. And it is with that in mind that I created this podcast. So if you're new to the podcast, please make sure you listen to it from the beginning. The stories may resonate with you and may help with that feeling of loneliness. And it's also why I love creating communities and groups where people can connect and share their stories together. So that is part of the reason why I created the eight-week program, which is a group experience. And you get to meet other people and hear their stories of, you know, what they've struggled with and how they've got stuck. So that can help us feel less alone. And the next cohort of that starts next month on Thursday, the 23rd of June, I want to say. Um, yeah, Thursday, the 23rd of June. And um, I am chatting to people at the moment. So if you would like to know more about my signature eight-week course, which is basically my own journey of changing my story and healing from trauma, then just drop me a DM or you can get more details in the episode notes. And I also have a lot of people that are part of my group courses that join my membership as well, which is a very low cost option. It's just $30.99 a month. And you can be part of a community where we meet twice on Zoom and we talk about different themes and we're exploring the theme of loneliness. So just know you're not on your own. That's why I've created, pretty much the reason why I create everything is so that people understand that um, this suffering, this trauma is so part of so many of our lives. So um, check out details in the episode notes. And now I'm going to pass over to Neve. Welcome Neve to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Did you want to introduce yourself to everyone and explain what it is that you do? Sure, Manpreet. Um, so my name is Neve Walsh. Um, it is spelled N-I-A-M-H. So it's Gaelic, but pronounced Neve. Um, so like think Eve, but with an N. It's the easiest <laughs> way to explain it. Um, and I'm a nutrition and lifestyle coach and a pharmacist. So um, I've always loved nutrition and food and kind of been really interested by, fascinated by the human body and how everything works and is interconnected and just how amazing the body is um, and everything it allows us to do. Um, and I suppose how I got into what I'm currently doing, which is helping um, people with uh, irritable bowel syndrome and gut issues. 
is I have also had my own struggles with irritable bowel syndrome. And that would have had a huge impact on lots of different areas of my life. So that's kind of why I chose this area, because I feel like, well, I kind of know it inside out. <laughs> I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, made lots of mistakes and gone down a lot of dead ends. Um, and I suppose I wanted to share what I've learned along the way, um, what worked and what didn't work. And some of the realities, I suppose, of living with IBS, I think um, it often just gets labelled as, oh, it's just IBS. But actually, there's so many layers to it and it's not something that just affects your gut. It's, you know, can have huge impacts on people's lives. Um, I trained as a pharmacist, actually, first before I did nutritional lifestyle coaching. And previous to that, I studied a science degree where I would have majored in biochemistry. So I've always had that burning desire to learn more about the body and science was always the direction I was going to go in. It was never going to be um, business, even though now I'm, I am in business, so I'm having to learn quickly. Um, and I have worked as a community pharmacist for the last 14 years, but in 2016, I did a diploma in nutrition and lifestyle coaching with the Institute of Health Sciences. And in 2020, I bit the bullet during the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic, and started my um, nutrition and lifestyle coaching business, which is called In Wellness Coaching. Lovely. Thank you so much for um, sharing what it is that you do. I feel like we all have a personal story, how we get into the things that we do, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and definitely. It's so, and it's so often something like that, because I know when I've had some struggles around the gut area, I started mm -hmm. to just go down the rabbit hole of what do I do to sort it out? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, like even like the NHS here in the UK, like there's just not very clear information. And some people say cut things out and... Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just like an absolute rabbit hole. So I can imagine that there is so much to it that you can't find out from your regular GP or anything. No, and it's no um, disrespect to GPs. I think they're not equipped to deal with the layers of stuff that go with IBS. And I suppose what's available to them is probably, you know, a limited number of medications that may help with symptoms, but they're not really dealing with the um, root cause. And I think often people go through that IBS journey of kind of the symptoms are so bad, they're convincing themselves there's something seriously wrong. They go for all different tests and everything's clear. And then they're just told, look, it's just IBS, you know, change your diet and off you go. Or they're given a fact sheet on the low FODMAP diet for IBS and people are going, I, this just sounds like it's going to make me miserable. Um, and yeah, you mentioned elimination diets, cutting foods out, but like there's so much more to it than that. It's like the gut is influenced by so much more than your diet. Um, lifestyle has a huge effect on the gut. And often people just totally disregard that and just overly focus on what they're eating and not eating. Um, and really they're never getting to what the, the real root cause is for them. For sure. And, you know, what I learned about the gut is it's like our second brain there's a brain in there isn't there and, yeah. and and our gut is so connected to our emotions and our feelings which is part of the reason why I wanted to have you here with it being mental health awareness month mm -hmm. is that we hold so much of our emotions in our gut and um, you know if, if you think about what you say you know when 
someone tells you a devastating piece of news like you can feel it in your stomach and that has an impact on our like our digestion and that whole area yeah absolutely like I think I'm sure from your work when you ask people where do you feel you know where do you feel this trauma or these emotions people would probably point to their stomach or their gut or like you said when somebody gets some bad news they feel like you know they've gotten a kick in the stomach (laughs) um and it's that whole gut feeling that gut instinct that often it's that second brain thing sometimes I nearly feel like your gut is actually your first brain because often you feel you feel what the right decision and the right thing is in your gut first and then your brain catches up and has time to process it it's It's like yourself in a situation where you don't feel safe where do you feel Mm -hmm. it you know, you're around somebody and you just think, oh, God, there's something not right here. It's your gut. Your gut is literally telling you, run, get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'd nearly say the gut is the first brain to be Yeah, honest. it's so true, though, isn't it? Because I think we all kind of um, walk around like these floating heads. I used to, before I started doing work on myself, I just literally felt like a floating <laughs> head. Such a good and, concept. <laughs> but now, like, you know, when you, I, and I'm always telling my clients to start um, to focus on their bodies beneath the chin and like to feel what it is that you feel. And that whole yeah. area is giving a lot away and it's connected to our nervous system as well. Like you said, it's like fight mm-hmm. or flight. Um, our intuition there's so much there that of course when we start to you know it gets confused way more than just our digestion and what we're eating Um, and I know we were having a good old chat before we started recording about my problems last year which was that I've always had really good healthy digestion like I'm one of those Mm -hmm. people that goes to the toilet numerous times a day and I just noticed that it all really slowed down Mm -hmm. And I started speaking to some people that have had IBS and they were like, do the low FODMAD diet, cut everything out, do elimination, bring it all back Mm -hmm. in. And it just, it wasn't really sitting right with me because I was just like, I don't understand. Like I've always been okay. And all of a sudden I'm not like, it it felt like it almost happened very quickly for me. Yeah. And it's like, God, so I have IBS now. Like if I looked at the symptoms, I was like, so that's what I have. But actually, when I started to look at my lifestyle and what had been going on was that, you know, I'd moved house. I'd um, experienced over, you know, the last year of my life has been so stressful. It's been unbelievable. (laughs) And that's so my digestion was almost like we don't really need to do this right now because you've got so much else going on. Let's deal with your your apparently in fight or flight. You're in danger. So we're going to deal with that and put digestion onto the side. Yeah, yeah, and that's what IBS even can be, right? That our body's Absolutely. just not prioritizing digestion. Absolutely. Like maybe for anyone that's listened to the podcast that's um not really sure what we're talking about when we're saying the second brain and <clears throat> to bring it back to I suppose our ancestors, um, hunter-gatherers, like their primary focus was survival. So they might have had to go out and search for food whilst also looking out for, you know, a tiger or something that we wanted to eat them. Um, And although we have evolved and you and I are here talking through, you know, Zoom on this podcast, our stress response is basically the same. So if your stressful event is a deadline at work or you're stressed because you're getting married and there's so much to organize, your the stress response in your body is the same as if you're being chased by a tiger. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. 
but his work is really good and I, I um, loved in one of his books he put it um, previously we were chased by lines but now we're being chased by our lives which I thought was really really good because it's our stress response has not actually evolved so it's like you mentioned fight or flight when you experience stress sometimes it's even a perceived stress it's not even something that's actually happened it's something that you've thought about it's future-based and it's activating the stress response in your body. So your body goes into this fight or flight. So if you think back to your ancestors, your hunter-gatherer, fight was to stand there, fight this animal that wanted to eat you, or flight was to run away. Obviously, there's another aspect to that, the freeze, which I might leave to you to explain a little bit better than me, Mampreet, um, but it's that whole thing of your body in that stressful situation, digestion is way down the list of priorities. Your blood flow is going to be directed away from your gut, away from your digestive system to your extremities, to your arms and your legs, your muscles, so that you can actually have the energy to sprint and get away from that situation. Um, and that's why stress has such a massive effect on the gut. Um, because digestion, it's not just food in, food out. Like you literally need digestion to be a very active process and um, when we digest food we help to absorb nutrients from it um, our gut bacteria can help produce vitamins and minerals that we need like b vitamins really important for your nervous system vitamin k helps us to digest and absorb nutrients from food it's just like huge so like digestion is not this kind of um inactive oh, it's optional kind of a process. It's very, very important. So I'm not surprised that when you had a lot going on um, this year gone, that when you experienced stress, that your gut literally was just like, what's going on? And I, it probably was in the line of priorities. It was like, no, we can just push that way down. That's not really important right now. Um, but getting back to that gut brain connection, um, if you want to think of it, which I think is always a good and easy analogy for people to remember, there is an information highway. If you think of a highway, two way or a telephone line that's literally going between your gut and your brain. So there's information and messages being passed all the time. It's not that they just communicate every now and again. They just have a phone call once a week. <laughs> it's all the time. It's constant and it's you know, what you eat, your gut health is having a massive effect on your mental health and vice versa, what you think, the information that you feed your brain, that can have a massive effect on your gut health. So that whole concept of a second brain um, is very, very important if people can kind of get their heads around that, excuse the pun. <laughs> um, I think it really makes you realise how food is not everything when it comes to your gut health and your mental health um, it's only one very very small part of this whole puzzle as I like to call it it is isn't it it's like well it's that whole holistic view of of things which mm -hmm. is from the examples that you just went through in there as well you know our perceived threat is all based on our brain and the way our nervous system has been wired so we believe we're under threat so for me I was just mm -hmm. changing my house that's it for most people that's probably quite they probably wouldn't have affected them go to the toilet like it affected <laughs> me but because of my own story my own childhood how there's been many homes that I haven't felt safe in it was mm -hmm. such a trigger for me and it really um made me struggle with not just um 
you know, digestion, but also I was working out and going to the gym, but I just was not losing any weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so every that had completely like stopped as well. I really mm-hmm. do think it has affected my hormones in a way because I've had that That's much stress. So I'm I'm actually um, seeing a nutritionist and a naturopath next week, and we're going to go th- and test everything because Gosh. I can tell and feel in my body that the level of stress that I've experienced over the year, which by the way, guys, is just me changing my life and making positive changes mm-hmm. in my life, like doing a job I love. Um, you know, getting married, all these things are really like really positive. But for for me and my trauma story that is held in my body, that feels really scary. And it has really brought up some stuff for me, which is, you know, not and it didn't just affect my um, gut. It also affected my back and it affected the weight loss. And Mm. without a doubt, I'm pretty sure it's affected my hormones. And that is just me making changes. And so for people listening to this, when you're trying to, you know, change your life, you know, Mm. you might even be going to therapy, you know, and just be having some therapy sessions and be talking about trauma. And then there is that disruption to your digestion because it feels scared. And as a, I love that you're a scientist and you're like geeking up these things because I love it too. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, our body really does remember these things. So Mm. that is why, yeah, you could have been bullied when you were seven and you feel Mm. like that's not a big deal, but to your body, it still remembers. And it could be being disrupted by a, um, a situation that you're going through at work or, you know, like you said, you know, the pandemic, the last couple of years of our lives have completely changed things that have triggered old wounds that then our body is going to be playing up. Because I I, I can, I mean, do you feel like, I know you started your business in 2020, (laughs) but like that is when people have been in real um, turmoil. Like it's really brought a lot of things up to the surface. Yeah, I think because people were forced, including myself, (laughs) forced to stop and slow down. Um, And maybe there were things that, they just didn't want to or just didn't have the resources to deal with at the time different traumas even taking the pandemic as a trauma out of it this is like like you said things from years ago that people maybe hadn't dealt with I just feel like everyone was just hit with this like barrage of emotions and then trying to live through this pandemic and this uncertain time and feeling so disconnected from everyone else and not being able to meet and hug and be in your community and like that has a massive effect as well on people's um gut health like it's just you really can't talk about one without the other like gut health and mental health are just so intertwined and when I start working with clients that come to me that have gut issues like I try to explain to them like your gut health is the holy grail. I know you mentioned that you suspect that your hormone levels are maybe affected by it when when we digest food and if your digestive system is working properly, particularly for women, um, that helps your body to eliminate old hormones. So your hormones are constantly being recycled. If your digestion is not good, they just get recirculated back into your system. You get, you know, crazy PMS symptoms lots of different things going on so like I think in medicine and conventional medicine western medicine we always tend to look at things in isolation you know what happens in the gut stays in the gut yeah no it doesn't (laughs) um and we tend to look at things in in specifics you know specialities and actually everything is connected so like you can't just say oh well I have a problem with my gut 
you know, that can be affecting your mood. Like there's lots of evidence to show that people who suffer from depression and anxiety when they adopt specific, you know, lifestyle approaches that will help to heal their gut and that their mood can massively improve. So like food is, you know, mood, basically mood is food, whatever way you want to put it. Um, It's just such a massive area and there's so much interesting research coming out um, about basically how your gut and your gut microbiome, I might just explain what that is in case anyone doesn't know what that word is, but basically in our body, we're outnumbered. So our cells are outnumbered by the number of bacteria we have in our inside our gut. And we don't just have a gut microbiome, we have skin microbiomes, lots of different microbiomes. So you have lots of really good bacteria in your gut that are doing really important jobs in your body and they need to be supported. But modern life doesn't always go too far to help support them. but trauma is definitely an area when it comes to IPS. I know um, we spoke about this and I'm dying to get you on to do an Instagram live on my page because I think it's an area that people don't really like to talk about um, because maybe they think, oh, no, I've, I haven't had anything huge happen to me in my life. Like, you know, this concept of big trauma and little trauma. I think you did a post on that in the last few days, Manpreet. Um, things that happen to us but I think if you are alive if you're living basically it means you are going to experience trauma whether you label it as that or not definitely and it goes back to that whole thing of perceived threat so you know like a trauma for me like changing my house isn't going to be a trauma for somebody else Mm. because that just sounds crazy but it's just that to my body it felt like trauma because it felt like unsafety and and that is so um, different for every single person. And Mm. I think we're starting to realize that those little traumas, you know, um, people say it's a little trauma to deal with grief or loss. Mm. Um, But that can feel very, um, you know, very unsafe. Like those emotions can feel so overwhelming when you're going through grief that you feel like you're going to die. Like it feels that strong. And your really intense emotions. Yeah, exactly. And those intense emotions can really um, sort of affect your body. And I think what you said that earlier that's so interesting is I actually think when our gut is doing things like slowing down and having IBS and having these problems, it's actually talking to us and mm-hmm. saying to us, you need to make a change because the way you are right now isn't working. And, Absolutely. and, and I think our body does that in so many ways. Like when we get, have a panic attack, when we get anxiety, when, mm-hmm. you know, I have clients um, that have struggled with like ME and like a chronic mm-hmm. fatigue and, you know, because they've had like massive careers, they've been working really hard all of the time. And then the body's like, no, actually we cannot handle this anymore. So I'm going to make yeah. you stop. So you can start to review how you're living your life so it's almost like the gut symptoms are a symptom of how your whole story and how things need to change um and you know and I'd love to talk about this on your page but how I actually got my gut to be um just calm to relax Mm -hmm. and to start going to the toilet properly was um I mean I did I was watching what I was eating a little bit but not massively I didn't do any elimination and because I I'm practiced 
um, an EFT practitioner, I tapped mm-hmm. on it. So I just literally was tapping on my meridian saying, I am safe. It's okay for my gut to release. Um, it's okay for me to let go. Like that's all I was saying and tapping on my body. And that's mm-hmm. how I went to, and I had an acupuncture. I did some craniosacral therapy. So all of these body-based techniques to help my body to know that actually it is You're safe. safe. And, yeah, that's so interesting. Thing. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to uh, say this on the podcast, but I always think that expression holding on to your shit is got lots of different meanings because I definitely think when people have constipation and their gut is slowing down, like their gut motility, um, which is basically how your gut muscles kind of help to move um, food through your, your gastrointestinal tract and how slow or how quickly that happens. Um, but I definitely think, you know, again, that's that's le- that's referring back to trauma and things that are stored in the body. You're literally holding on to your shit. <laughs> it's so true. And then just and we think that it has to be some really complicated thing to release that mm-hmm. tension. But actually yeah. it could. And, it, and we're all different and we all need different things. So like somebody else listening to this might try some tapping and it's not going to work for them. But there'll be mm. something else that could maybe help them like a massage or because you can mm. do like intestinal. You can massage. That whole area, can't you? Yeah. Well, maybe I can share with you kind of what helped with me and my journey with. Ideas. Yes, that'd like, be think, great. Yeah. So obviously the first place I started was went to the GP and was kind of wondering what was going on and was one thing I do want to say um, before I go any further is to make sure that people are not just labeling themselves as having having irritable bowel syndrome um it is really important to get an actual diagnosis from the doctor um and that's kind of done through process of elimination you may need to be sent for tests and things like that just to rule out other things but just to say don't just decide I've got IBS because I have those collection of symptoms you may or you may not it's always important to kind of get a firm diagnosis on that but that was my first place um I have to say didn't get a whole lot of (laughs) relief from the medication that was prescribed to me um and then I just focused on my diet and kind of developed a lot of oh I can't eat this and I can't eat that and like I absolutely love food eating is like one of my favorite things it's food brings me so much joy and it was making me really miserable um and a good few years ago I actually took up yoga and I just couldn't get into it because I actually struggled to sit still for any length of time and without wanting to just get up and leave and eventually I kept at it and eventually I got okay this is why people love yoga (laughs) and I noticed a massive improvement in my IBS symptoms um but another layer to that was I wasn't just practicing yoga. I was doing meditation. I was, you know, trying to address traumas that maybe I hadn't dealt with in my past. Um, And, you know, I don't need to tell you that's not an overnight thing. Um, That's, you know, a daily, weekly thing. And sometimes you're never fully done with that. You just have to, things can come up in a different way. Like you move in a house, kind of triggered something else for you. And when you think you're over something, next thing you know bam it <laughs> can just hit free, hit you from from anywhere but I realized that for me stress was probably my biggest IBS trigger so nothing to do with food it was stress um, and what really opened my eyes to that was when I went traveling I went traveling twice so back in 2000 and 
2009, um, sorry, 2012 and 2015. And when I was away, I was away for like two, three months at a time, basically had no IBS symptoms. And I was eating whatever I wanted. I was having a good time. I was enjoying myself. And I was kind of going, this is strange, like, but this is obviously because I have no stress of like, I've no work related stress. I don't have to be anywhere. All I have to think about is get up in the morning and be excited about where I'm going to go next. So for me, stress is way up there when it comes to IBS triggers. And I know from speaking to, to clients that stress is one of the biggest triggers for them. And food is kind of fairly low down, down on the list. So it doesn't surprise me that when you did your tapping and your EFT and your craniosacral therapies, all these alternative therapies that actually that worked for you because you probably were just so stressed. Sometimes we're not even aware. We've kind of become so used to this baseline level of stress that we're like, oh no, I'm not stressed. But actually your stress is probably pretty high up. And when you're at the point of boiling over, it's like you've been ignoring it for like a long time. <laughs> definitely and it just um you know like you said like you're just getting on with life like I bet when you were in um work and you were going through those stressful situations that was kind of normal for you at the time Mm -hmm. so you're just like oh I don't know what's wrong with my stomach I don't know but the thing is if you think about it you're rushing between meetings the cortisol and the stress hormones are just pumping all of the time and I just think that so much of our society and culture is just built around like pumping cortisol like yeah. our workplaces the way we have our social lives mm. all of these things is just pumping that all of the time and yeah. then we're like oh, trying God, to meet all these sick. deadlines like that you know some of them you kind of think do I really need to do this or can I take this off my plate I think that maybe the pandemic did help a little bit because I think people are kind of going I don't really have to go to that so maybe I can just drop that <laughs> yeah no <laughs> don't oh. um do you think um, as well like, I don't know if you've noticed this with any of your clients but like we talked a lot about how we hold our emotions especially in that part of our body and mm-hmm. um, you know I think sadness like a lot of my clients when they talk about sadness they'll say it like in their stomach or in their heart mm-hmm. and um, you know and with this month the theme of mental health awareness month is loneliness and mm-hmm. how uh, that that could even have an effect on our gut absolutely yeah um I read a really good quote a while ago and I saved it because I was like, God, that's so good. It is, is it Rupi Kaur that said loneliness is a sign that you're in desperate need of yourself? And you kind of have to read it a few times to be kind of like, what does that mean though? But loneliness is like, surely that means you need to be around other people <laughs> um, and that's going to get rid of the loneliness. But I think sometimes loneliness and being alone, they're kind of, seen as being the same thing but you can be lonely and have experienced loneliness and be in a room full of people you can be at a music concert be with thousands of other people and still feel lonely it's it's that feeling on the inside and I know before this call we kind of touched on that a little bit about kind of your experience of oh we don't, don't mind me sharing that you know you thought that maybe when you met somebody that that feeling would disappear but then you kind of realized well that's something inside of me and something that I need to kind of work on um but definitely for me I think the meditation and the yoga and the slowing down and kind of actually really tuning into how I was feeling um helping like thoughts and and feelings and emotions actually pass through as opposed to kind of being like oh no I don't want to deal with that or um 
another time kind of a thing, but actually just recognizing that they're okay um, and that everyone experiences negative emotions sometimes um, and just to kind of help them move through the body so you're not holding on to them, you're not holding on to these things in your gut, just letting it pass through. And yeah, just I, I found that really, really good. Um, but but definitely loneliness, I think, in itself, if we're to go with the traditional definition of it, um, definitely the pandemic and people being isolated, like so many, particularly older people, um, just a very, very difficult time. But I think that loneliness is quite a stressful um, thing to experience. So again, you're triggering that stress response in your body. Um, and, you know, we're still hardwired to kind of have that amygdala hijack where the primitive part of your brain experiences that stress um, and it's just firing that stress response really, really quickly. Whereas it takes a bit longer for your kind of rational brain to, to kind of go, oh, hang on a second, you know, maybe this is, you know, how come you're feeling lonely and you're with loads of people? Like obviously during the pandemic, most of us would have spent like more time alone than probably we were used to, which I'm sure for your, maybe speaking to your clients, you have heard them say that it's brought up lots of things for them when they've had time to slow down as well. So, um, I'm sorry if I'm gone off on a little no, time. No, 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 that's really helpful. No, but it's so true though, isn't it? And like, I think, um, you know, so many people that I speak to, loneliness, we can shove food in it. I feel really oh, lonely. God, yeah. like, I remember as a child, I used to do anything to plug that hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I remember when I was younger um, that I felt that loneliness feeling at night quite a lot. And I would like sneak off into the kitchen and just shovel down a load of ice cream. Mm. And then that was something that I took into my adult life as a sort of coping mechanism for not feeling my feelings because no one showed me how to feel them, how to process them. My family were not people that were doing that. No, they were well, working most, Yeah, I'm, I, I know our parents do our best and their parents before them, but learning how to deal with negative emotions in a, in a healthy way is actually really yeah, difficult because I mean, you know, it's food for one person, it's alcohol for somebody else, it's over-exercising, it's you know orthorexia and being obsessed with what you're eating and um yeah I mean there's just so many different things that we can use to kind of plug that hole of feeling lonely but um I think it's it's you're never going to momentarily it might give you some kind of relief but it, it doesn't last does it no definitely then, eat, then eating food or you know trying to stuff in into your system can cause other kind of problems and absolutely and I think what's happened with the pandemic and us having a lot of time on our own is we already had these wounds of loneliness that have been there for a long, long time. Like mm. I, on myself and with my clients, I do a lot of inner child work. And, you know, there would be times maybe in our life, you know, when we were five or six, we felt lonely. You know, mm. I, my parents went back to work when I was really, really young. And I, I lost my grandma at a very young age. And that feeling, that loneliness from that time is what 
is still wired in me. So yeah. even though when I was in this relationship and I always thought, you know, once I got into a healthy relationship, then I mm-hmm. wouldn't feel like that anymore. And what I discovered was actually that's not the case at all because that wound, that feeling with my younger self is just part of me. So mm-hmm. now I just like sit with that part of me and do really weird visualizations, like going back in time and giving mm-hmm. a hug and being there for that part of me. And that will settle down my body response. It will make me feel yeah. calmer. And there's so much that is into our mindset. So I think when we start to, um, you know, like you said before, that old, you know, that lower brain, that older part of our brain that goes into that fight and flight, it's like, oh my God, I'm alone. I'm going to die alone. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of, because we need, us humans need each other to survive we can actually not survive without each other so you know and that's what our brain is saying to us like I'm alone nobody wants me it starts telling this story which then starts to create stress in the body which then Mm -hmm. starts to affect things like our gut and we're doing that all from firing up our own stress response so slowing down and doing things like yoga meditation and becoming more conscious of our thoughts we can start to challenge them and you know so when I felt those lonely things I would do that visualization but I'd also write a hundred ways that I was not alone and that actually I was isolating myself I was like not I was not telling other people that I didn't feel so great or I started to ask my friends did you used to feel like this when you got into your long-term relationship and everyone's like yeah I felt like that too like it's just (laughs) we just don't I think that sometimes us humans are so afraid of being shamed or um, you know, our imperfections that we kind of hide it away. But when we actually just own it and say, you know, then we all start to realize we all feel the same. Everyone's like, oh yeah, that's totally, I'm like that too. Like, it's just, it's interesting because I know at kind of the beginning we were talking about, you had mentioned about, um, or actually maybe it was our pre-talk, maybe it wasn't even on the podcast, but we were talking about this, um, you know, you wanting patients to focus on the below the head because <laughs> I think we kind of can often be quite disconnected so we have our head like this like you said this analogy of a floating head but you're completely disconnected to the rest of your body um and I think you know loneliness can often kind of feed into that too as well because you're you're like this floating lonely head going along thinking that you're the only person experiencing this but then when you say it to people when you feel like oh, I'm I feel like I can be vulnerable enough to say this to this person and they say oh yeah I totally feel like that and you're like oh thank god <laughs> it's not just me I'm normal <laughs> it's so true and then also I think um you know when we're in that sort of state as well we look for evidence to confirm our reality oh well no one's called me or I haven't yeah. seen someone and no one and you're always going to find the evidence me. aren't you because yeah. you've got the whole negativity bias you're going to go straight to the negative oh well I haven't heard from her and she hasn't called me and <laughs> Yeah. And that's just our brain trying to protect us again. But and the the crazy thing is all these things, when they go on for a long period of time, they can start to really feed into our bodies Mm. and then give us other problems. I I really hope that anybody that's listening to this episode and they have noticed things like their digestion, et cetera, that Mm. this is a sign that, you know, maybe the way that you're coping with stress and life just needs to be adjusted right because that's what you did yeah. you started to make life changes yeah um, and they don't have to be huge they can be no, really no. small so that you like you don't have to get overwhelmed at the thought of I'm gonna have to overhaul my whole life and you know sometimes it's really small subtle things you don't have to kind of think I need to build an entire life 
that's completely different from what I have now and set myself loads of unrealistic goals. <laughs> I think as well, doing too much at once, I'm a bit of that person. I'm like, oh, well, there's something wrong yeah. with my gut, so I'll do a thousand things to fix it. Um, Guilty as charged. Yeah, all of the time. I still do it. I mean, I'm saying it right here, but, you know, I still do it. Um, because I'm just like, oh, I know all the information. I know what to do. But again, our brain could get really overwhelmed with that. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to freeze up on us. And then um, we don't do anything. And we go the yeah. complete opposite way. So just doing something small, like starting out with with like doing a breathing technique mm-hmm. um over a period of time that may have a impact on your physical well-being exactly in time, right? yeah and I think just uh, going back to that floating head and the like disconnection between your head and your body like if we're talking about your first brain and your second brain and your guts your second brain your first brain's in your head your second brain's in your body so you need to kind of and they are not disconnected they are very much connected so you even just being armed with that knowledge and kind of knowing how to be more in tune with your body um I think that's so important for people with IBS because I think there can be a real disconnect between your mind and your body because I know from my own personal experience of IBS it can bring up lots of feelings of like you know oh I feel horrible and like I wish I wasn't this way and I wish I could eat what I wanted and where's the nearest toilet and all these kind of things that other people don't need to think about um but sometimes you're actually making that feeling worse you're you're heightening your stress response by kind of trying to future think and go through all of these things in your head and maybe you just need to tell yourself like through your EFT tapping and things like that, that you're safe and it's okay for you to go out and enjoy a meal. Nothing's bad, just gonna happen if you don't eat perfectly. And you know, it's 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 fine, it's okay. Your body is still working the way it should. Okay. It might be a little bit off, but there's nothing dangerous about IBS. Um your body is just trying to communicate with you. Like you said, sometimes when your gut goes off, it's kind of going, hey, you know, you need to give me some attention here. <laughs> Yeah. And I think as well, it's, it is that body piece because like, you know, when, when you were talking about being stressed at work and not being conscious of the impact on your body, like mm-hmm. actually you can start to go, um, like I, I was floating head for most of my life. And when I realized that a job that I had, um, you know, there was just so many people in that environment that were triggering, um, like my heart rate, like sweaty mm. palms, like yeah. um, butterflies in my tummy and this kind of effect on my body. Mm. Uh, that is only when I slowed down and started to listen to the response in my body, I realized that that job didn't make me feel particularly safe. And then I could consciously start to make steps to change that situation. You know, mm. yeah, I mean, like it would have been great if tapping or affirmations would have worked, but actually that environment was bad for me. And then I can make a decision to change that. But when yeah. we're so busy, and we're just caught up in our brain the whole time we don't notice and I think um and then the body starts to fail and do things to make us notice and you know I'm I'm not saying that as a perfect person because like I said last year that that was happening to my gut where I'm doing this podcast I'm very aware of it but Mm -hmm. we can all get so caught up in things sometimes I meditate every day I do my walks I do my self-care but when I started to increase the amount of pressure that I was putting on my nervous system Mm -hmm. you know it it started to tell me in new ways and I wasn't listening because I was like well I do all my self-care so I don't really understand what the problem is but actually (laughs) it was still telling me you know 
I think you actually need to stop maybe take a break for a couple of days stop working yeah. with that case or mm-hmm. you know because for me I was nobody else was doing this to me anymore I was doing it to myself I know. and my brain was beating me up yeah it's it's funny like I said your body is very intelligent and if you're ignoring certain signs they'll just keep getting louder until you can't ignore it anymore um and I think yeah just because you do all of those self-care things and you do your meditation and your journaling and your your yoga doesn't mean you're immune from stress like life is bloody stressful Mm -hmm. and lots of different things like I know you've just recently got married and you moved house and like they're all huge events in a person's life that can kind of trigger lots of different things like I think I know for me when I I can't exactly remember when my IBS symptoms started but I know for sure that when I left my family home to begin university life that's my kind of earliest memory of it Mm -hmm. Because I felt, you know, I was quite a shy person and I was a little bit awkward and I kind of experienced bullying. Um, and I suppose I didn't feel like being in a, that scenario was very safe for me because I was hypervigilant and kind of waiting for the next person to say something horrible to me and for me to come crashing down and go and hide away. And um, it's just that I think these traumas that we don't like that was quite quite traumatic for me I I couldn't have admitted that up until very recently but I've kind of realized well actually that was quite quite traumatic for me given the type of personality that I had you know I'm a, a HSP a highly sensitive person an empath I absorb lots of people's feelings and emotions and definitely get overstimulated from being in these big you know settings um but again, it took me years to kind of realize that maybe I was making things worse for myself by just thinking about them and not having the right kind of thoughts or like I wouldn't have done yoga or meditation, like didn't even know what any of that was. Like, you know, we didn't talk about mental health back then. So it's if if through what I'm doing and my coaching, if I can help even one person to kind of see that that's an avenue that they can go down apart from like cutting out foods and obsessing over what you're eating, maybe that's not the problem. Maybe that's not your issue. Not something that needs to be solved. Maybe it's stuff from years ago or something that you, you know, experienced, but didn't put down as a trauma um, and never kind of realized that that might've been what triggered your gut symptoms. Because I think Mm -hmm. most people I speak to who have IBS, like if we were to kind of dig a bit deeper, I think everyone has something that maybe happened, but they just kind of brushed over it, you know? Well, everybody had, well, like you said before, trauma is a part of life and also mm. change is a part of life. Mm. So like where you don't you, do well with change. <laughs> yes. Well, but nobody does. I mean, I, mm. I was a change manager at the BBC because people couldn't handle something like a new system, you know, because it was so triggering for some people to let go <laughs> of their old spreadsheet you know that's like I know. Kind of it's like why do we have to change this 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 is fine <laughs> I like this and he's like no it's like move into the 21st century that doesn't work <laughs> but that's what us humans are like and actually change the change curve and the grief process is exactly the same so mm. when you went into that university environment and you felt 
you know, like a maybe a little fish in a big pond or, you know, like feeling all these uncomfortable feelings. And like you said, we never used to talk about that. Actually, I think university was triggering for loads of people mm. and we never spoke about it. Absolutely, and then you yeah. just and you're isolated and lonely in your own emotions when actually mm. that's that's quite normal. But um, and then you don't speak about it. And then the the issues sort of get bigger. And like you said, in your body, um, you know, and other people will do other things to remove that pain that they're feeling that discomfort which is what change brings us discomfort yeah. right and then like yeah. drinking maybe to just fit in because that's why because I'm the same I'm like empathetic and sensitive so when I went I found university hard too and I mm. just f- found that I drank because I just was trying to just numb all of those feelings away and now yeah. I realize that actually those feelings and the way that I am is part of who I am and it's a good thing and I yeah need to it push makes it away. you the best person to do the work that you're doing because <laughs> I used to always think of it as being such a negative thing and I would want to be kind of like I need to stop being so sensitive and let stop letting things affect me so much because kind of that's what you're fed all your life like mm-hmm. don't cry and stop you're being too sensitive and don't be so sensitive and all these kind of so it's what else are you to think but oh, this is such a negative thing that I need to knock out of myself mm-hmm. but it's only over the last few years kind of doing lots of reading and kind of work around it myself that I realized that it's such a skill if you're like somebody who works in healthcare and you don't have empathy or you're not a sensitive person you're probably in the wrong job because mm-hmm. you know empathy helps you to actually it's not sympathy it's not feeling sorry for somebody it's actually having the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes mm-hmm. um, and I would see that as a massive strength now and if somebody tells me to stop being too sensitive I'm like so you're basically telling me to stop being myself. Yeah, exactly. Like, just and if down. everyone was harsh and hard around the edges, the world would be a horrible place to live in. Like, let's be real. So it's very true. And and another thing, just as anyone that's listening that can relate to being a sensitive person, that affects your body too. So mm-hmm. like, you know, you can be around someone that maybe you don't not that you don't feel safe with but you can pick up if you're that sensitive that you pick up on somebody else's emotions mm. you can start to feel that in your body as well and Absolutely. it can affect your gut I don't know if you've noticed that but I oh, certainly do I'll have a call with a client and I'm like my back's saying what the hell is that what's Why that is my back yeah going? Oh, my absolutely all the time and preach like it will be and it'll be in my stomach I'll, and in my gut I'll feel it I'll go oh god that was a lot you know or kind of if I've had a really heavy conversation with, you know, even a, a patient in the pharmacy, somebody who's gone through cancer treatment or something. And like, I don't just walk away from the conversation and not think about it again. I, I could be thinking about that person like for the next week mm. and like really be feeling like what they're going through, whereas mm. someone else might have just moved on from it. And I'm kind of like, as much as I wouldn't really like to be to have this makeup it is who I am so I don't really want to kind of knock it out of myself because I think often people who are like this and I would have done this for years is you put on this front and you try to be like someone who's really like yeah and then you realize why am I doing that like you know it's not a bad thing to kind of to really feel things deeply and to kind of be able to experience your emotions like the full spectrum of human emotions Mm. it's not always easy sometimes you feel like oh god if I was like a cold-hearted person I'd just move on from things a lot quicker but we are who we are (laughs) so and I think it's just again that that sense of you know 
Um, now I notice how that feels in my body. So mm. therefore I know I need to do things and have my own boundaries of self-care to help me with that. Like I'll go mm. stand in my garden afterwards or like yeah. um, do a bit of shaking, which can really yeah. help when I'm just getting everything off you. Um, but sometimes I don't do that because I just get caught up in the overthinking of it. And mm. and then it go like, I'll go like that happened last night because I was working till quite late. And I didn't really have a proper wind down time. And then I started dreaming about it. And I f- mm. woke up just with the absolute worst headache and feeling rubbish. And I was like, it's because I didn't deal with that at the time. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you, you learn from all these things. But that also has effect on our on our body, on our sleep, on our gut and all those kind of things. And it's, you know, and that's why slowing down, getting to know yourself, getting to know your body, your body will start to tell you what your boundaries even are. Mm. And um, and that's a big sign for me. I think that's my body's really starting to get me to notice. No, you cannot help everyone. You can't keep putting yourself last. You need to prioritize these things. You need to invest money into you and taking care of you, not like just... Every, like I'll I'll happily spend money on my business, but you know I've like <laughs> got ripped leggings on. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. It's just silly. Like it is possible and necessary to do both because you know really you're of of no worth or use to anyone if you're completely spent and burnt out and you're not really able to give the best part of yourself as well. Um, mm. but like yeah, like self care and all of these practices are so important when it comes to IBS, gut health issues. If you want to heal your gut you can't just be thinking I'll heal it through my diet you won't if you're burning yourself out at work as well um you know mm. no amount of changing your diet is going to change your IBS no. if you're burning out I mean I wonder no. how many because I think the burnout cases are going up and up and up and up since people mm. have been working at home especially I've got a really good friend I know that's had a number of burnouts that has IBS but continues to take the time out recover a bit but then goes back into that back part into of it. work yeah it's a difficult thing to because I would be kind of guilty of that too as well but I think when you're aware of your pattern to do that at least you can do something about it whereas if you kind of only have one setting and it's like full throttle get burnt out take some time out go back in and do the same thing like I know from speaking to other healthcare professionals particularly ones that are working in the hospital setting they're gone so far, far past burnout now. It's just like, and that's really difficult to come back from. That's scary. So, yeah. And I think a lot of people will be leaving their current professions because they've just, they're spent, they've given everything they have. And it's a very difficult thing to come back to. So you don't want to reach that point if you can at all. Mm. Um, like I actually worked with a client recently and the thing that, the feedback that she gave me which made me so happy was that she said that she is finally in tune with her body which was the best outcome I could possibly have after working with her for four weeks because she was somebody who ignored massive warning signs that were going on in her body which later transpired to be um lymphoma Mm. Um, and she's on a kind of a slow recovery back from that but she said she never really was in tune with like she'd, she'd eat on the run or she just wouldn't eat all day. She'd have two custard creams and kind of wonder why she felt like crap. But now since implementing like proper like eating habits and, you know, making sure her blood sugars are balanced throughout the day, the fact that she could actually see and feel the benefit of that has made her 
far more in tune with her body. So now she knows. Listen to your body, it will give you the feedback. So, you know, if you're not looking after it, if you're ignoring things, it will just keep getting louder until you can't ignore it anymore. But her just saying that just made me so happy because I think I was so not in tune with my body for so many years and so disconnected that that's my ideal outcome for anyone really and I'm sure with the work that you do yeah no, it's part of it as well it's so I mean I think I must drive everyone mad because I'm like where do you feel that in your body where do you feel that in your body and I remember when my therapist used to say that to me and I was just like I don't actually know <laughs> everywhere I don't, all over <laughs> what everyone says it's in my head I'm like it's not in your head yeah. somewhere else but it's just because that's how we feel because we're that yeah it's because you're thinking it in your head but you're feeling it somewhere else like yeah um and I know that you mentioned this before but just FYI for anyone that's listening so that freeze response um there is research um that the parasympathetic nervous system um will you know one of them I hope I'm saying the right one starts to turn off so it does freeze. So literally like what happened to me in the summer was mm-hmm. that my digestive system actually froze and stopped digesting because it yeah. thought it was in that much of danger. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been training in BBM, which is like a breath technique. So even just breathing in and out and doing coherent breathing can help us to re- resurrect our nervous system after it's been so slow. And that's the, thing, that's the important thing for us to all listen. Breathing's great because it, um, especially when you do it in and out of your nose, you're connecting your brain and you're watching your belly rise, you know, you're connecting the whole system and that mm. can help us to sort of release some of that um, tension and, you know, flight, by the way, overworking is a mm. massive symptom of flight. Mm. Um, addiction is a flight thing. Um, you know, if I'm somebody that freezes, so my body physically freezes, like with the digestive system, mm. but actually I will freeze. I will just get so overwhelmed that I just stop doing things. Yeah. And I just feel like I have to run away and it's like a shut the curtains and go into a complete hermit mode. Just shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And well, now I've, I've noticed now that my body actually does it too, where I've had the back pain, which is very near to um you know where my digestion happens it's on the side Mm. of the back and -hmm. again it's my body saying now this is too much so I've had so many signs now that my body's like okay you need to do more than what you've been doing so I'm now investing in like um you know people to help me um you know I'm trying to work less hours I'm doing things slowly it's a learning curve as I'm sure when you were going through your IBS symptoms that to to work out the right prescription for you because we're all different absolutely yeah absolutely and I think I probably didn't maybe explain it so well you mentioned the parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system yeah that's quite a difficult one so when we think of our nervous system we've kind of two branches so well we'll say the autonomic nervous system is your parasympathetic nervous system which is your rest and digest so that's what that's that's the nervous system that branch you need to be in if you want your digestion to work well and that happens when we sleep when we rest the sympathetic nervous system is then your your I suppose your fight or flight response that's the stress response in the body so that's going to flood your body with like stress hormones cortisol Mm -hmm. adrenaline noradrenaline the last thing the sympathetic nervous system is concerned with is your digestion and you feeling rested and relaxed so any practice that helps to bring you into the parasympathetic nervous system which are like you mentioned breath work your tapping um yoga 
sometimes meditation you know doesn't always um but anything that's just going to help your body get into that relaxed state that's going to be really really good for your digestion and your gut but if you're staying stressed and you're in that sympathetic kind of branch of your nervous system all the time that's not good for your digestion and your gut health and I think as well, the important thing to know is that when that parasympathetic system shuts down, so you're not sleeping and you're not and your digestive has has got disrupted really badly, that your body thinks you're completely in danger and in threat. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. So like my body thought it was in danger, in threat for me moving house. So whatever's going on in your life, whoever's listening, like it could be that your body, you're not sleeping and you're not going to the loo. And that's because your job is just so triggering for you mm-hmm. um yeah. it could be anything like that and that's what we're talking about and that level of stress affects your organs gives you other health issues like yeah. you mentioned, i know so many people i've heard so many stories of people getting cancer recently mm. which i really think is so connected to this amount of stress on the body it kind of has to go somewhere and yeah. it's again trying to get you to notice um mm-hmm. so just like you know, I know it's really hard, but to, to not ignore the signs and to start doing your own investigate. And there's so many great practitioners out there like yourself. I love people that do that holistic, but with the science. So yeah. getting all the, like, I'm getting so many tests on next week. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> but like, you know, just getting all that information so that you can um, find, you know, the right treatment for you and we're all different for some of us like yoga works really well for you I can't do yoga mm-hmm. to save my life but I've discovered um <laughs> is it qigong recently which is more yeah. standing up and Chinese medicine and I do a bit of that to kind of help I'll I'll mm. do like sound stuff to kind of try to help my nervous system to know it's safe and this is a learning curve for me so sometimes I'm so caught up in my in my job that I forget and then my mm. body reminds me that's what I'm I doing know. It's so intuitive though, isn't it? And it's kind of, that's the beauty of the whole body. Like it will, you know, it will remind you and it will just get louder. And it's like you said, and I think Dr. Chatterjee actually says this too, to write your own health prescription um, or like diet and lifestyle prescription. It's what works for you. Like it's not this cookie cutter approach and this is what you have to do to, you know, heal your drama, heal your gut. It's just, there's so much to it. And I think, um for me healing your gut is very kind of a two-pronged approach so diet is only one small part of that but I think lifestyle like you said we talked about stress management sleep um exercise and movement I think community and connection not digital connection actual in-person connection (laughs) meeting up with people in real life um your relationships they're all like I would say they nearly even take precedence over your diet there's lots of things you can do dietary wise to kind of help heal your gut if there's a lot going on there. But I think doing one without the other is just you're only really looking at 50 percent of it. Um, yeah, the in-person thing is huge, isn't it? Because like we basically need to hug each other. We need that hormone release like we yeah. need to. Your oxytocin hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've been deprived of that so much. So no wonder our stress hormones have been like I know. going crazy. Yeah. And it's like the breathing thing you were saying, you know, we need to get back to breathing like a baby, like how yes. we used to breathe before we learned to hold our breath, because I would be guilty of that. Mm. And I think that probably would have affected my my IBS a lot as well, because I was literally holding my breath without <laughs> actually being aware of it. <laughs> 
and that's so trauma related as well like um so many of my clients I'm always like did you hold your breath because you do that so much like, <laughs> like I'll do that as, you know my work, yeah. I'm gonna be late with my work I know like I know when I do an exercise class and I've nearly passed out it's because I haven't been breathing so there's no oxygen getting on work I'm so fascinated by people that breathe normally. Like um, my other half, Simon, has had so much less trauma than me. And I just watch him breathe like a normal person. Like he's not even yeah. like, I have to listen to a audio He's not track. even conscious. Yeah, I know, me too. I'm so, I'm, I'm like, I'd love to get track. back to not having to be conscious of my breathing because I was breathing properly, you know. <laughs> yeah, just seeing his belly rise just kind of annoys me. Just yeah, like that's, he's actually breathing like a baby. Just, yeah. It was one thing I kind of glossed over but something that if people are listening they might kind of might further help cement that gut brain connection so your gut has its own nervous system it's called the enteric nervous system and there is a branch of that nervous system called the vagus nerve not v-e-g-a-s v-a-g-u-s the vagus nerve so this is what helps your brain and your gut communicate with each other a lot it's that information highway and I saw somebody had cleverly done a post and the caption was what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. So basically your vagus nerve is not going to keep things to itself. So if you have been, you know, overdoing it in like the gut side of things and your diet and not kind of looking after yourself or overdoing it or not doing self-care practices on the, your mind and thoughts and things like that that's going to be communicated it doesn't stay it doesn't stay there so I just think that when you learn that that kind of blows your mind because you're like my gut has its own nervous system how did I not know this how did nobody tell me this before (laughs) and that explains a lot of why there is so much digestive problems like I would say more than 50% of the consultations I do in pharmacy are digestion related Mm -hmm. whether it's IBS stomach and reflux and all of this and it's everyone thinks it's their diet but you're like okay maybe it is sometimes but I think a lot of it is actually emotional yeah so um, years ago I had really bad acid reflux where you know the acid would come out to the point I couldn't swallow water it was Mm, so and it was like I was foaming it like it was awful Awful. and and now I look back at that time and I know it's because I was so anxious like my anxiety Mm. was insane all of the time I never used to do any um self-care or any of the things I do now and it was just out of control yeah that's and it was literally spilling out of me and now you know I went to the doctor I went they did all these tests on me and they were just like sorry there's nothing there I was like no Mm. it feels like something's stuck in there I know and it was like sometimes it's easier we want an answer we want a medical reason for you know it's easier to accept that oh there's actually something wrong with your stomach than for you to actually realize that you need to process your emotions yeah and yeah. trauma because that's a lot harder to work with <laughs> um I thought I was gonna sneeze then be all right. <laughs> no um, and in all of my um trauma courses that I've done so as I've got myself trauma-informed coaching we've we did so much work on that vagus nerve and mm. what it's containing and it's started from the minute you're in your mum's stomach like that's yeah. how long it's tracking it for I know so if you're if your mum has like stressful events in her pregnancy when you're in there <laughs> that can you can be coming out <laughs> when you're born you could be 
literally having trauma from day one <laughs> yeah you, if you have a traumatic birth which I obviously did and a traumatic um, birth, yeah, yeah exactly. that's um that's part of it you know um when my, even from you know I know a lot of about my life now and my conception and everything mm-hmm. there was a lot of stress even then and mm-hmm. so I, I think last year when I was like literally r- weirdly going on courses about the vagus nerve and the nervous system mm-hmm. and mine was failing me I was like mm-hmm. oh my god it's because when I started off life like I'm feeling yeah. off my mum's nervous system mm. and she was super stressed so no wonder I I've been like this my entire life yeah it's great when you get that knowledge though and it kind of can be in it you can it can help you to kind of go oh okay that kind of makes sense now yeah <laughs> now, now I just need to fix it so now I just need to fix it yeah <laughs> now comes the hard bit <laughs> but I think what the work that you do is amazing around trauma and just even bringing trauma to a bigger audience and normalizing it because I, mm. I still think I know when we talked before we came on the podcast your background is is um Indian and I'm Irish and there's a lot of intergenerational drama in both of our definitely countries and cultures and just the the knowledge that that stuff gets passed down like not just from your mum from when she was pregnant with you but like literally her mum and her gen- generations before and just there's a lot of stuff that needs to be unpacked yeah definitely so, and environmental and it wasn't that long ago because it would have been no. your grandparents and my pr- grandparents that would have been seriously impacted by it and then our parents yeah. were in some ways as well and yeah. so I think we're almost a privileged generation that we have all this information available to us that we exactly. can actually heal that trauma that they face when mm-hmm. they really didn't have a choice you know like for no. For my dad and my granddad their tool was booze because you know they yeah. didn't know about their Vegas stuff <laughs> and they <laughs> honestly didn't have time to deal with that because they had no. to like, figure out how to earn money you know exactly so, and that's the thing and like um you know like with Irish clients I've seen Sri Lankan clients places where there's been a lot of political things going on mm. um a lot of religious disputes all of that, that would have been like massive war. I mean, if we think about what's going on um, in Ukraine right now, that mm. has been our, that happened to our ancestors at some point yeah. where they were having to relocate, where their lives were in danger, where mm. women and children were, you know, getting raped or murdered or whatever. That is in our ancestral line. Absolutely. And, we're just seeing it played out now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we've, you know, our culture and society has told us work harder drink this eat this buy this pill and then you'll feel better but I think mm. we're all getting to a point now where actually we can't carry on like that because it's no. not working no and it's just filling a void momentarily it's mm. just sticking a plaster over it which um doesn't work no exactly. <laughs> you don't and need we, me to tell you that <laughs> and when we heal you know um we get to heal the next generation so I'm really like like we're gonna attempt to have a family and I'm like I really need to stop I know whatever's going on down there I need to stabilize that before I try to procreate because I know that's going to be one edgy child (laughs) I think that's important though and I think the fact that you want to do that that you're aware of that I think lots of people get into that area at that stage of their life without giving any thought to I'm actually kind of a lot of drama and a lot of stuff to deal with um not like that that doesn't mean that you can't or shouldn't start a family but I think just wanting to not pass that down um is like really good to like be a cycle breaker 
yeah it's half though but no it's definitely worth it um thank you so much i could i feel like i could talk about this with you i know forever. i think we've gone really over too. time um <laughs> is there anything um else that you want to share and then also you must tell people how they can work with you and find you and i'll make sure i put that all into the episode notes as well Sure. Um, well, firstly, I just wanted to say thanks for inviting me onto your podcast. And I love the work that you do. And I think it's really important. And um, yeah, I'll be sharing it with anyone who <laughs> wants to listen to me. Um, what I would say to anyone who's listening to this podcast and that is struggling with their gut issues and maybe IBS is you can heal. Um, and I think the the area of trauma and working doing lots of work around that is just as important as healing your gut through your diet and lifestyle Mm -hmm. um but know that you know often the answers aren't always out there the answers are kind of in you you do have you do know a lot of what works for you um and yeah just not to become feel lost or become disillusioned that you can't ever kind of feel better because you can it is possible and I know from your side Manpreet you would tell people that it is possible to heal from trauma it doesn't happen overnight but anything that's worth having is um you know you have to put the work in but um yeah I just really enjoyed this podcast and and chatting to you and I feel like we could talk about it all day but I'm conscious of the time so yeah if if anyone's interested in finding out more about what I do um in wellness coaching is my business name and on Instagram I am at in underscore wellness underscore nutrition underscore coach and yeah I'd be happy for anyone to reach out and they want to find out more about what I do and I look forward to hopefully collaborating with you on some other things in the near future yeah lovely and I think that's my little secret super weapon by the way anyone listening that when I find something and I'm struggling to know how to sort it out or fix it Mm. I invest in it that's what I do and I I've done that for so many years now even when I think I don't have the money I'll just pop something on my credit card like my money will come from somewhere yeah and I think from somewhere yeah and I think that's the important thing to you know listen you don't have to figure this out on your own there are people like yourself that are out there to help us um, mm-hmm. to heal these areas working yeah. with someone finding your community is a way in which you can heal and um like in a much easier way because flapping around in books and doing yeah. that all takes ages like what we had to do which is why yeah. we do what and we do now so like right. I've invested in coaches I like I yeah. don't pretend to have it all figured out I don't no. like <laughs> um but I think you and I both have we've ended up doing the work that we're doing because we know you know trauma like nobody else and I know IBS and gut health issues like nobody else <laughs> um and yeah I suppose if if we can kind of get to where we are now then it's possible for anyone to as long as you're kind of willing to I suppose put the work in and kind of just be I suppose compassionate with yourself as well Mm. um, and not try to do everything yourself exactly reach out for help but thank you so much it's been so lovely to have you I can't wait to do something again soon yeah (laughs) thanks so much Manpreet thank you and there we have it guys 
an episode completed. I hope you enjoyed it and it raised a load of awareness in your mind. There was alarm bells going. You were all like, ding, that's totally me. Cause that's what I was like when I started this journey. And that is the start of the process, finding out this information and realizing it has happened in your own life. So I really hope it was helpful. And before the next episode coming out next Wednesday, be sure to check us out on Instagram. So it's hearts underscore underscore happiness. Also, we have a YouTube channel where I share the videos I create for Instagram on. So you can check that out. They come on about once a week. And then we also have a Facebook group if you want to join to carry on the conversation. I want to create a community where we're all talking about our very real experiences and traumas. And then there is also my website called heartshappiness.co.uk, which you can check out to join our mailing list so that as I create new services and support tools for you all, you're the first to find out. And I have a freebie on there, so definitely check that out. It's five books that transformed my healing. So if you really want to kickstart and you know you're liking the content in here, these books are like the basis of so much of my knowledge. So definitely check that out. And I will speak to you next week. I'm so excited to continue this journey with you to help you to find your own heart's happiness. Take care.